RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Season 3, Episode 8, Farpoint Notes for Corey Allen, April 26, 1987. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, welcome back, Star Trek fans, especially all you background fans, you canonistas, I say that lovingly, and of course, all you original Trekophiles, spelled with an F. Hey, we've got a great show as usual this week. We have a confidential memo from Bob Justman to Gene Roddenberry from 1987. I wonder what that could be about. We also have a very special guest. Uh, welcoming back one of our returning guests, actually. But listen, first up, as always, take a look at this week's document at our Trek Files page on Facebook, The Trek Files. So give a listen to this sample and come right back with this week's guest. Please understand that I'm not knocking Corey. He's a fine director and wonderfully enthusiastic. We just want to protect the show and its concept. We can do this and still keep Corey enthusiastic. We should never forget that Corey needs to feel that we're totally supportive of him. Like a delicate household plant, he bears fruit when properly nurtured. So, right, 1987, April 26th, we're on the eve of filming... The Next Generation pilot episode, the premiere episode, the culmination of nine years of hard work, feverish work, and uh, 20 years of getting Star Trek back on television. So who else to call on but our old friend, <laughs> friend of the show, <laughs> longtime Star Trek fan and veteran professional, Dave Rossi. Dave. Hi, thanks for having me, Larry. I'm glad to have you back with us. Good and to I, see you. I did not mean to shortchange your introduction there from, from PA to executive assistant to licensing coordinator to associate producer on Enterprise to um, um, producer on the Blu-ray original series. Yes, and that about sums it up. Shoot me if I'm forgetting something else. Um, and you just take over and run with the show yourself. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I thought this is interesting. And from your central seat in production for many, many years there of what is, I don't know if it's becomingly called the Berman era, but you know what I mean. Yes. Um, it's interesting to look at this. I, I, I talked to Corey on a little bit. I talked to Bob Justman when I wrote The Next Generation Companion. Um, and I found this document in the files. I thought it'd be fun to talk about directors. But, you know, this specific moment in history... Uh, it's good to go over, you know, TV directors versus movie directors, and especially what happens on a pilot, right? I mean, does this sound out of line? Does it? Bob takes pains here to say, "Now, I love Corey. We wouldn't have hired him otherwise." But <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, especially when you think about what you're trying to do here, you're trying to establish the entire flavor of the show. You're trying to get across a lot of information to the audience, uh, and the you know, you mentioned the difference in television directing versus feature directing in a feature the director pretty much is the king i mean they have every uh, uh, advantage in their favor on tv it's not so the executive producer is the top spot and the directors switch out i mean they're only there for two weeks at a shot uh, aside from you know when you're doing something like a pilot that Corey did here which is a longer shoot but typically episodically during the year during the season 
you are only there for two weeks. You get a week to prep and a week to, well, three weeks. You get a week to prep, a week to shoot, and a week to edit, sometimes two weeks to edit. But even that, even when you're done editing the show, it ultimately goes to the executive producer. Uh, Rick spent a lot of time in the editing room yeah. uh, with every episode. So after the, dire- the director was done with it. So. Yeah. And when we say editing, obviously there's an editor, editor. But Correct. The, yeah. the director's overseeing, not overseeing, but they're... No, overseeing is a good word. Right, yeah. right. They're, well, I mean, they're, they're what they want to do. They're finishing their creative Sure. So, the edit, it, so right? basically the editor assembles the first cut of the show. Then the director gets to come in for a week or two and start tweaking it. I'd yeah. rather use this take. I'd rather, you know, and so they start talking about it and they assemble what what uh, the director feels is their representation of the show. But then it goes to the executive producer for right. the final cut. And if it runs over, then the director's in on the decision of what to, or he gets first dibs on what he thinks could cut or... Yes, I mean, they yeah. do their entire first cut. Uh, so if they're over, if they, they make oh, then it's that's part of the first cut. Absolutely, is the overage okay? Right. Well, and then yeah, on a on a feature, the director's king of the, king of the hill. Whether it was technically his project or not, he's there or hers or hers. Thank you. Twenty nineteen um, should have been nineteen ninety nine or nineteen eighty nine, but <laughs> uh, or nineteen nineteen. But but it is different on TV. The director is. Unless they become a regular, right. right, which happens on a long series. But ostensibly, they're like the bottom of the pile. Everybody else is there all the time. They're the odd one out. Absolutely. Which is just exactly opposite. And Corey was um, was around. But then we have our long-termers like, you know, like Rick Colby and... and uh, Cliff Bowl, Bob Shearer. Yeah, yeah, there was, a, yeah. There was quite a few. Uh, you know, when you have a, an established a stable of directors like that, even though... Um, they come back. They only come back, you know, there's only so many episodes per season. So, right. you, you know, they, some of them get two episodes a season. So that's how many times you see You see them for six weeks in a year. Um, and the years have to pile up before you really get that sense. Absolutely. Of, yeah. 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 That returning. Well, so, so, but then again, uh, a pilot is a special animal. It's more than just a regular uh, episode. And a lot of times pilot directors, we were talking about this too. So Corey Allen here is directing Farpoint. Um, uh, Carson uh, directed uh, DS9's pilot, and Rick Colby, Voyager, Voyager, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, so it's like they they go to their trusted go to guys when there's a franchise being built, and you have a stable of directors, and, the, and you feel like you've got a feeling. They, it's kind of an honor, but a big sign of yes. trust. But here we are out of the gate, right? I mean, there is no well-oiled machine yet. They're trying to build a machine, much less oil it. Right, and Corey Allen is a well-established director at this point. I mean, he was an old. I mean, when I started in fifth season, he was, I, I think, safely say he was in his seventies. Um, so he had had a long career. He started back as an actor, I think, in I don't know the nineteen forties or fifties, and then slowly transferred into directing. He had quite a career, uh, and so they obviously knew of him. I mean, Bob Justman talks about him like he knows him very well. I mean, they obviously talking about his. Uh, uh, you know how he runs the stage, and I do remember that he did spend a lot of time blocking out. You, you could go down to the stage, and Corey would be down there the entire day, just blocking out shots. I mean, he had people there with him so that he could, uh, you know, <laughs> he had bodies. He had bodies yeah. exactly, and so he would he was very meticulous about how he wanted every single shot to go. Well, I don't think we have a big paper trail about this, but I don't know, I know that when I talked to Bob Justman, late great Bob Justman for for the Next Gen Companion, he talked about and he had a couple of memos that I still have somewhere about that Corey Allen was a was a fast-paced director. 
not so much that you ran through the show, but that he didn't, he would cut his takes off and not like that trim, just so there's like fudge, fudge factor for editing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like he would cut his takes off and he wouldn't linger on a reaction. He would go and go. And he was worried about him under filming. And that his shows would run under, and he was wor- constantly worried about, you know, not to pad the show, but just to make sure there was adequate sure, footage. They'd sure. have to go back and write extra and all that. And he was worried about that affecting the overall pace and quick cutting that that would force. So he was really on top of, I, I told him to, you know, take it easy. This is a pilot. But he really gets into that here where he's saying. You he know, does. And he also makes mention, you know, somewhere in here it mentions that, uh, you know, he's talking to Gene, saying either you, Rick, or I should be on stage for every single shot. So, I mean, they really wanted to watch him, so they did have their, their concerns about him. Well, and it is a pilot, and you are trying to set the tone. Absolutely. Because after this, it'll either be we've got a reshoot or we're off on the wrong I mean, look at the Ferengi famously got off on the wrong foot. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, just and there, there is there's a lot at stake here. It's, you know, and, and this is the return of Star Trek. This isn't just a pilot. This, there was a lot riding on this, and so I, I can't imagine. I would have loved to seen uh, a memo that talked about what directors they had in mind. I mean, they obviously ended up with Corey, who's great choice, but uh, I, I'd love to see who they came, who they, you know, were talking we're, about. We're talking about. Yeah, it's amazing to me. What we have here is Bob writing to Gene, telling the executive producer, the Great Bird of the Galaxy. Now you need to sit down with Corey and talk about your vision for Picard and Riker and Data and so on and so on. Like, don't let him steamroll this. Don't let him, you know. Don't. And I love the line here about you know, make sure that you are crystal clear. Because it's my experience that Corey tends to forget what he doesn't want to hear, <laughs> which is a human thing. But we are talking about a director, and I mean, yes, everyone knows it's a pilot; they're setting things. But it's it shows that. Well, this is a you this, know this is also a great example of Bob Justman managing up. Yeah, right. That's the you know, <laughs> that's a good the, phrase. The, the, uh, here he is talking to Rick. You know. Uh, everything that could go wrong here, which is if we had to add shooting days to the schedule, if the budget goes crazy, mm-hmm. if, all of those things land squarely on Bob Justman's plate. So here he is managing up to Gene saying, here's what you need to do. And he mentions it in your very Rod Berrian way. You know, <laughs> yeah. get, make sure you get Corey in, in order. And and uh, uh, his last line here, you know, uh, number four, talking about Corey being one of the sweetest men. It was true. And, uh, uh, Corey Allen was uh, just the gentlest of souls. He was very soft-spoken. He walked very slowly, and uh, everything he did, I mean, he spoke to you, he looked you in the eye. He was just a very n- nice human being. Uh, uh, but every director could have their weak points and their strong right. points. Or their quirks. Right. Well, it's amazing that I – and I, I did meet Corey Allen and talk, much later in life, and we did an interview – um, and I asked him about this too. About he says, well, I, I think he said basically, yes, I could have been a little faster paced. You know what? What, Bob, <laughs> what Bob's concern was was true, but that's just the way he was. But it's interesting hearing you talk about how methodical he was and how not just did his homework, but that he came down and, and blocked it out live to that extent. But then, yet he has this reputation for having you know quick cuts and. Right, quick takes, and then, which kind of forced the pace. And it was, you know, I mean, different directors did worked out different ways right. of doing things. For instance, uh, there was a, we had a director named Paul Lynch, who never went on the stage. He was always directing from his chair on a video camera. 
I mean, on the screen, you know, they have these little screens hooked up to the cameras, and that's how he he's, wanted he's to see. On the, he's there he, on, no, on, yeah, on the stage. He's on the stage, yes. I'm sorry. He's, uh, he's on the stage, not on the set. He's though. video phoning he's, it in. He's what? off the set. Uh-huh. And he never in, walked over with the actors on the set. He barely, barely went over there to watch it. He was always watching it from this little monitor, and that's what he uh, wanted. Video, that's what, what they call video village. A video assist, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what he wanted to see. Uh, and so that was, you know, it's just how these... These uh, directors approach different things. Well, we talk especially, well, I don't know, TV and film different, but we, they talk about the technical directors and the actors' directors, and maybe the best ones are both. You know, Or if, if, if you're a former actor, you're always an actor-director, and, and you maybe lean on your, your director of photography, your cameraman, on your technical side. But, um, that, yeah, that's a mark about does some fall one way or the other. And, of course, the actors appreciate having a quote-unquote actors' director, sure. not just a technical guy that knows his lenses and that's all he cares about sure kind of a thing but um i imagine jonathan frakes is an actor's director i would think so but i think he's come along he obviously knows you know what he's doing on the tech side but no he does yeah you know he had to go through i mean that was uh, that was another aspect of star trek the next generation i don't know other shows did this but um you could approach rick berman and say you wanted to direct but Rick was very serious about it, and, and he, he did not look at it as a lark and didn't want you to look at it as a lark either. You had to uh, do what we called in-house director school, right. where the Good actor directors. would have to shadow an existing director on a, on a show for months. I mean, they would, it was a very long process. Mm-hmm. and uh, Pioneered by Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jonathan was the first. Uh, but then a lot of the actors... Uh, went. I mean, Patrick directed one, but Patrick, you know, is certainly Stage acting. Directed, right. Yeah, yeah, but certainly acting is more his passion. Where somebody like Roxanne Dawson, uh, even Robbie McNeil, uh, they have well, Lavar. Uh, Lavar, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of people got to direct, not just the actors, but a lot, a lot of people. Uh, um, well, you had some first ads that get Les Landau. Was one that came right. up as an assistant director. Any members of the staff? Uh, Peter Lauritsen, who was producer uh, on the post production side, directed Inner Light. That was his uh, uh, first episode. Dan Curry did visual effects, mm-hmm. did Birthright. Um, you know, yeah, so, so there was an opportunity for people to do it, and they all had their own style. Some people, like, you know, we talk about Corey, who would go down and block things out. Other people did it purely on storyboards, just by drawing things out, you know. In, uh, Storyboards with the art department. So uh, there's a lot of different ways to uh, to do it. Um, yeah. I was just looking at some a list here. Uh, Rob Legato directed a couple who visual effects, kind of the co-producer opposite Dan Curry's. And now team. is a, a, a multiple <laughs> Oscar, Oscar winner winning, for yeah. James, working with James Cameron. Quite yeah. Bit. Well, uh, Bob Lederman, who was one of the editors, mm-hmm. had a couple of episodes. And of course, David Livingston, maybe most famously of yes, <laughs> yes, from Crew. And David Livingston was fun because uh, well, no, I don't, really, I don't, know, I don't know if fun's the word. Um, <laughs> David Livingston David was interesting is- because in production meetings when he was a producer. It was his job to, so for instance, the director would say, so we're going to be in 10 forward. I'd like 20 extras, and David would say, you get five. Because his job as the line producer was to manage the budget and to manage, you know. Right. When he was a director, you know, it was, I want a nuclear helicopter, elephants. I, you know, I mean, it was it was a very interesting change when he put that director. And 47 out. cranes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was very funny. Very funny to watch him roll. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and again, they developed a lot of returning. So quirky ones. So there are some some here. I'm looking at the list uh, that were returning. Alex Singer was one. Uh, Alex Singer was uh, Alex. Singer was, uh, in a lot of ways, from uh, Corey Allen's uh, 
contemporary. Mm-hmm. If you look back at their histories, you know, they kind of went through the Quinn Martin production episodes, <laughs> you know, all those Tonight's shows. episode. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Barnaby Jones. Um uh, uh, but but Alex Singer, uh, very uh, they were on the same age as Corey. Very energetic. He was very he, he was just nonstop ball of energy. He would come in, and I remember he would uh, smash his fist into his palm, and he'd say, "We're going to get this going. We're going to do." Very excitedly, not you know, not yeah. in anger or something. He was a very very funny guy, and uh, I think he directed the pilot of Lost in Space as well. It's oh, interesting. That's yeah. He was around. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the names here. Bob Shear. I think you mentioned. Your Bob Shearer, yes. When I was a PA, Bob Shearer, I would get the directors their lunch, and Bob Shearer every day, and he did two, three episodes a season, uh, a very sweet guy. He would order for lunch every day tuna with cheddar on white toast and an apple. I don't know how. I, I couldn't tell you what any other director had, but having to do that every day when he was there stuck in my head. Now, see, if we ever wanted to do the obscure Star Trek trivia game, <laughs> I'd have you make up questions right. like that. What was Robert Shearer's <laughs> daily lunch menu? And people wouldn't. And you could just. I've got tisk, a million of them, You Larry. could just tisk tisk at people and no one would ever win, see? Uh, so Les Landau came up from the ranks. Do you have a memory of him? Just some of these names that people see fly by? and No, Les was great. Um, he did. He came up as a second assistant, came up through the assistant director program. Oh, all the way. Okay. Uh, and uh, and uh, really made a mark for himself on the show. I mean, he, uh, uh, I, don't, I couldn't tell you how many episodes he directed, but it was quite a few. He was a, he was in the top. Um, yeah. Uh, Rick Colby was another one. Uh, Baron Von Colby, or Hair Colby, we used to call him <laughs> on the set. He was a very nice guy as well. Uh, and so these guys all... Uh, uh, all became friends of the show. Yeah. Well, it's too bad about that Corey guy in this episode. We're gotten on the menu on the on the uh, document this week. It's too bad nothing ever came of that little. Yeah, that failed pilot. <laughs> that fi- failed little pilot. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's um, it's again. It's what we get to do on the truck files is get a slice of life and remember that it's not all. It didn't just sprout up and appear on screen. It's obviously it's a lot of people working, but you get into some human. Um, some human dimension here where it's like, yes, we love him, we hired him, but, uh, <laughs> and you're the great bird, but Gene. And, <laughs> but you know, get him in line. Bob Justman doing his job. Yeah. Oh, well. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming by again. Oh, thank you. We I will have you back. back soon. Oh, let me get that on my, to, my to do list. <laughs> <laughs> the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All the documents that we talk about here are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. And for more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at learningmachek.com. Trek well, everybody. That's a cut. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.